Today's um, lecture is called Are Emotions Getting in Your Way? Part of the Lunch and Learn, Know Thyself and Know Thy Relationship series. And the question, if you read the subtitle to the invite, it seems to be with emotions. You can't live without them. You can't live with them. They seem to be very interesting. Without emotions, we would get nowhere. I'm going to soon discuss that. However, all too often, emotions get in our way. The advice we give each other, we don't listen to. Someone else is having the same problem that you're having, and then you give perfect advice and they work it out. And yet, for some reason, you can't listen to your own advice over and over again. Why? And the answer is because when it comes to yourself, our emotions get in the way. So the closing question of the subtitles was, what should we do? So guys, let's discuss this. In Kabbalah, we define the four categories. You have, from bottom up, you have the inanimate, you have the plants, you have the animals, and you have the humans. In Kabbalah, we talk about that within the humans, we have all four categories. And when we talk about that, we define the animal kingdom as emotions. We define the human race within the human is the intellect. So it seems to be animals are emotion, we know that, they're driven by emotions, and the human beings are supposed to be intellectual. That's the way we've always studied it. One time, Rabbi Yerol Khan was for begging with us, which doesn't be well, he, Rabbi Yerol Khan is the master teacher of Hasidus. He's, uh, he used to stand by the Rebbe's for bringing literally for six hours on a Shabbat with his no tape recorder, and right after that we would sit around him and verbatim. him. He would uh, deliver it. And not just because he has a photographic memory, he actually explained the concept. I mean, uh, an amazing teacher. So he shared with us that for bringing in a personal thing about himself, that he had a private audience with the Rebbe, Yechidis, and at the time, the Rebbe told him that the primary definition of the human being is emotions, not intellect. I, we just said that the animal kingdom is the emotions, so the Rebbe went on to explain that the difference is that the human being has to have intellectual, controlled emotions. But the Rebbe clearly described over there that emotions is the primary force of the human being. Now, every sales man and sales woman knows that. There is no sale that took place that wasn't driven by emotions to help the purchaser cross the line. You'll notice that all the time. The uh, real estate people uh, always do that. Um, so if this was your house, what color would you paint this? That question is an intellectual question. They want to have an emotional association. They want you to start falling in love with the house. Um, when the person tells you, we got this great deal, but it won't last, factually false. He's got an entire warehouse of this stuff. Why is he doing it? He needs to arouse fear. Well, if I don't do it now, I, I And that's what all this stuff are. So emotions are very driven. History will tell us that there is no great feat. There's no great feat that ever took place, no great accomplishment that took place that wasn't driven by passion. Anything extraordinary is absolutely driven by emotions. We don't make a move, we don't step out of our comfort zone, we don't take on a challenge unless there's an emotion there. It's amazing how many people, they won't do anything until you challenge them. What did the challenge do for them? Intellectually, nothing. But it got the adrenaline. Then now we've got an emotion about the emotion called victory. I got to win. And that's what goes on. So emotions drive 
Unfortunately, my dear friends, the fires of purgatory know that their primary job is to purge the sinner from the emotions that drove him into the sinful act, desire, so forth and so on. So emotions seem to be you can't live with them, you can't live without them. Without emotions, we accomplish nothing. But all too often, with emotions, we're not very proud of what we've done because of our emotions. So that's what we're going to discuss here a little bit, emotions. Now I want to share with you, a friend of mine told me that he heard the saying, controlled money is very obedient. Uncontrolled money runs wild havoc. For today, I'm going to ask you to bear in mind that sentence, only replace the word money with emotion. Uncontrolled emotion, I'm sorry, let's start with the best, better, the right, the positive side. Controlled emotions are very obedient. Uncontrolled emotions run horrific, wild havoc in our life. With that being said, let's go to, that was just explaining, the introduction of explaining what we're dealing with here, the emotions. What emotions mean to human, they are our primary force, our primary cause for anything, and then to understand both sides of it. The havoc and the obedience. Another little introduction. Introduction number two. In Hasidus, we're taught of two types of stairwell, staircases. There is the straight staircase, you're walking straight up, the steps, and there is the spiral staircase. In the straight staircase, when we do that walk up, we're at a very steep incline, but you feel the ascent, you actually see, wow, I'm, I'm going up, and you reach quite quickly to your destiny, your elevated height. The spiral, the spiral stairway is not like that. The spiral stairway goes round and round. The ascent is not that noticeable. You start wondering, well, 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 I'm walking so hard. Where am I going? I'm walking and walking and walking. I don't see that I'm really that high. I only got up a couple of feet. It takes far longer to get to your destiny. But yet, Hasidus teaches us that sometimes the best way to travel is a spiral staircase, not the straight staircase. And what we're going to study here right now is that when it comes to emotions, emotions is one of those scenarios where it's safest and far better to travel the spiral staircase and not engage into the straight staircase relationship. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to share with you now sources. Where does this lecture come from? This lecture is based on two my mom from the Rebbe. I'm going to give you in brief what does my mom say bear the picture in mind of what I'm telling you so that we can use that to understand all about the emotions, the spiral staircase and how to deal with emotions. Because I, I would clearly say, and you'll see in my closing that I mentioned again, that if we look back at life, um, the parts that missed opportunities came from emotional disturbance, emotional blockage. Um, how many things we didn't do because of emotions. How many things we did do that we shouldn't have done because of emotions. How many things we're proud of that we did and what drove us was a real passion? Emotions. So it's very important to understand how to deal with emotions. Without emotions, without being able to control our emotions, we're, we're living the life of a driven leaf. And that's not very productive, it's not organized, it's not good. So let's talk about these two Maimorim and let's see what we're going to glean from them. Maimor number one, 
The Rebbe explains the story of the 12 spies of Moses, which seem to have gone wrong, versus the two spies of Joshua, which went right. Okay? So, let's go over the story quickly. Moses sends 12 spies to tour the entire land. The land at that point was made up of seven nations. Metaphorically, in the teachings of Hasidus and Kabbalah, seven nations equals seven emotions. Let's go over the emotions, and I wanted to talk about it in the, um, in the process of the, the way we relate to it, not the Kabbalistic language of chesed and yiburah, kindness and strictness, mm-hmm. but if you think about the seven emotions, we're talking about love, fear, compassion, victory, as in matter of principle. You know, that when the person, oh, now it's a matter of principle. And they spent $4,000 to get back my $20, you know, something like that. So that's victory. That's also used to the good. I used a bad example. But it's also used to the good, matter of victory. Then you have gratitude, which is the power of acceptance. We have what's called foundation, which is the power of commitment. And then we have malchut, which is the power of class, finesse, kingship. Okay? That's what we call the seven in the sea, malchut. Okay? Now, those seven nations, Moshe Rabbeinu is sending out the spies to engage with them directly. Tour the seven lands. Didn't work out all that well. What happens then? Joshua, 40 years later, he sends two spies to tour Jericho. In the world of Kabbalah, Jericho refers to the garments. The garments of the soul are thought, speech, and action. That seems to work out very well. We're going to talk about that in a moment, what that teaches us today. Let's talk about the second discourse that I based this entire lecture on. The second discourse is from last week's Haftarah. For those of you who read last week's Haftarah, the amazing story of Elisha, the student of Elijah the prophet, who after Elijah the prophet passed away, he becomes the primary prophet. And we talk about their two stories. I want to just focus on the first story. First story says that there's a woman from the prophets, a widow, and she cries out, Ishimet, my, my husband died and I have two children, and I can't pay my bills. And they're threatening to take my two sons as prisoners. What does Alicia ask her? Do you have any empty jugs, any empty jars, bottles, vessels in your house? Bring them all to me. Get as many as you can. And then he performs the miracle from a little jug of olive oil. He fills and fills and fills and fills. And then he asks, do you have any more vessels left? No. And that's when it stopped filling, and he told her, use this olive oil, sell it, pay up your bills, and from this you'll be able to live. You'll be able to make a parnasa. Okay? That interpretation over there is also amazing. Um, from the Kabbalistic and Hasidic point of view, um, the mystical insights, the woman is crying, and that represents the soul that descended into the body. My husband died. I have no intellectual capacity to truly perceive divinity. And therefore, I can give birth to proper emotions. My two sons represent in the teaching of Kabbalah, love and fear. They're being taken prisoners by who? By the animalistic soul. My love and fear is being taken prisoner to the animalistic soul's egocentric desires. Our love is going the wrong direction. Our fear is from the wrong direction. I'm more afraid of my ego being tarnished than I am of the fear of God. So that's what it means My two sons are being taken prisoner. I don't have with what to serve God. What does Elisha answer this, this 
soul that descended into the world. Bring me empty vessels. You're talking to me about emotion. You're telling me that you don't have the emotion, the emotional drive. But bring me your empty vessels. What are vessels? Vessels represent the garments. Thoughts, speech, and action. Bring me your thoughts. Bring me your deeds. Bring me your vessels and I, your actions. And I will fill them with oil. The essence from which all emotions come from. You're focusing on the emotional problem. Bring me thoughts, speech, and actions. Bring me garments. And from this, you'll be able, as they say in Yiddish, machalevi. You'll be able to make a living from it. So those are the two memoriam upon which we're going to base this entire lecture. And again, bearing in mind that we're going to use these two memoriam, these two Hasidic discourses, to show us how we can travel the spiral staircase to deal with the emotional havoc that gets in our way, causes us not to reach our destiny, and causes us to go the wrong direction. Okay? Let's do this, guys. Okay. I asked Alejandro, as we were waiting over here, if he ever saw Harry Potter, because that is very important for today's lecture. So this one goes out to all my fellow Harry Potter fans. No one watched your Harry Potter. You watch Harry Potter. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Harry Potter. <laughs> if Rabbi Khan heard this part of the lecture, I'd be dead. But let's talk about Harry Potter for a moment, okay? In the Harry Potter series, we're eventually introduced to the real arch of the story. What is the real arch and plot of the story? So there's the Dark Lord, the bad guy, Lord Thunderbird. Vandermolk, right? <laughs> yeah, Lord Vandermolk. And he created, eventually we find out that he created six horrifices. Horrifices is not a real thing, but let's talk about what it is, because it's very important for today's class. <laughs> I'm really going to do this. Okay. <laughs> so, a horrifice is a very interesting thing in the dark, in the story of the Harry Potter, in the dark magic. There is splitting your soul and putting a piece of your soul into an object. The purpose being in the storyline is that you can then defy death because you come back, take the piece of soul from that object and resurrect. And that's what this Dark Lord did. People, how many horror fixes did he make? Beautiful, seven. Let's talk about that. Headmaster Dumbledore, he finds out about this. That's one of the things. He goes back to the teacher and he sees that he asked this question and so forth and so on. And now he is hunting down these, these seven, okay? And that's pretty much the plot line, the story plot line of all. Yeah, this is pretty much the story plot line of the entire series, okay? And it ends when all of them are killed and including he himself. With that being said, let's talk about this on a Kabbalah level. There's no Kabbalah to Harry Potter, but everything is for a reason. Oshanta says we have to learn from everything something. So let's talk about this. How many of us create horrifices in our life because to us, a life that's not driven by the heat, the intensity, the passion, Emotions is lifeless. So 
we create our own harpices. Seven. Remember I told you? We have seven emotions. Interesting that she picked seven for her storyline. Now we look at it from our life. We do that all the time. We put a piece, we split and put a piece of our neshama into certain egocentric, animalistic desires, emotions, because we feel lifeless in a controlled lifestyle. And every once in a while, to resurrect, to feel back alive, we go to this egocentric, driven emotion where we plant a piece of our soul in. That, to me, would be the definition of a harpist in my own struggle of life. I know my own yearning to feel alive, and I feel alive when I'm in the complete throes of a total blown volcano of emotion. But when I'm behaving, you know, so I wake up and then the alarm clock goes on and my day timer is controlling my uh, date, it's hard to feel that emotion. And often we start feeling dead. And when we start feeling lifeless and dead, we're looking to feel alive, so we turn to our harpices, our seven places of emotion. We create anxieties. How many of us create anxieties just because we put a piece of our neshama into fear and we feel alive when we're in anxiety? How many of us have love that we shouldn't be dealing with? For whatever it may be, and I don't mean just male, female. How many of us do that because we want to feel alive? How many do that? We, we do it all the time. We'll go ahead and text something uh, borderline romantic because we're just feeling blessed. Let's feel alive. And the same goes out for everything else. How many of us create challenges, egocentric driven challenges? Because, you know, we haven't had a passion in a while. So let's make some silly bet, and now let's live with it. I'm alive. Those are horses in, in our conversation. Those are all horses. And now what happens? Headmaster Dumbledore is searching out those, those harpices. Now, I want to share with you, I put this in bold in my notes, you'll see it in the email, that before we go to the headmaster Dumbledore killing out the, the um, harpices, let's think what happens with these harpices. I want to come back to you in bold, italics, warnings. What did we say? Controlled emotions are very obedient, but uncontrolled emotions run wild havoc. Think about how much wild havoc we have in our life because of our harpices. Think about how much chaos, how much self-sabotage we do through these harpices. Life is too calm and too good. Time to go to a harpice and create some chaos. So remember what we're doing with this with this harpices. We're creating pieces of our soul into these uncontrolled emotions which create wild havoc in our life. Huge anxieties, huge passions, huge stuff. We feel alive, but then we come out all scorched and sabrochum, suburgit, and sabrach. It's not a pretty sight, but that's what that does. And while we're in it, we feel alive. Now let's go to Headmaster Dumbledore, the good guy. Headmaster Dumbledore, he finds out about this, and he's trying to hunt them out, find them, and break them. Because until that doesn't happen, it's like the story with the dragon, with the snake, with the seven heads, right? You kill one, there's another one. So we gotta get rid of all these harpices before we take on the actual Dark Lord. Okay? Then he discusses this with Harry Potter, right? He has that whole thing, he hurt his hand, he burnt his hand, Harry Potter wants to know what happened. 
and discuss and he finds out that he's hunting down the horoflexes, he finds out what a horoflex is, and he asks a very ancient question. But isn't Lord Voldemort, isn't he feeling that you're killing out his horoflexes? And these are a piece of his soul. And his answer to him is no. These are pieces of him that he locked away. Now, again, bold italics. The spiral staircase. You don't want to go head on. You want to take the spiral staircase quietly, killing out another horrific, killing out another horrific. That's how I'm going to present today the Divine Torah on the Harry Potter story. So all of a sudden, the Harry Potter story isn't some magical, distant thing. It's something you and I can relate to. We know that within us is a dark lord who just festers in darkness and all the chaos and havoc that goes on there. That's where it feels alive. It feels powerful. The adrenaline's running through us. We know that we place these little pieces of our soul into these seven different emotions. We know that we know it's uncontrolled. We know it's wild havoc. We know that the next morning we're going to have a huge hangover and look in the mirror and feel less than respectful of ourselves. But we go through this stuff because we feel alive. That's how we defy lifeless death. And then there's the process that we're here to discuss today, which is how do we go about fixing it? How do we go about controlling, getting rid of the emotions, controlling the emotions that should be savage? And then what do we do? Salvage. And then what do we do? We go head on with Lord Vanderbilt. We get knocked out, sent back to our corner. So we're being taught, well, don't go head on. Start dealing with the horoflexes one by one. So guys, that was the Harry Potter part of this lecture, and now we return to the Muggles world. Okay? Let's talk about Moses. Let's go back to that timer. So we have Moses sent 12 spies to the seven lands to tour the land. Who is Moses? In Kabbalah, who is Moses? Moses is the epitome of wisdom, divine wisdom. Moses is the person who God gave the Torah, which is the ultimate embodiment of divine wisdom. That's Moses. Now, Moses, because he's the ultimate power of wisdom, wisdom is Chachma, which to quote Moses when the Jews complained to him, Va'anachnuma, we are but what? The word Chachma actually is two Hebrew words, Koach Ma. Koach Ma, because wisdom embodies humility. The humility it takes to be able to change the paradigm, the perception, the way we deal with and see life. And through that, we change our emotions. We change our passion, our commitment. So Moses as Moses, the amazing Moses, has no problem dealing with the seven nations. He wants to go head on and conquer the seven emotions. He wants us to our entire passion of love should be love for Hashem, love for our fellow Jew, love for our Torah, love for our holy land. He wants that love to be totally conquered. He wants it to be a powerful, controlled, obedient emotion that will become the wings to take us to unprecedented heights in our accomplishments, our actualizing our potential in serving God. And Moses could do it because Moses is the embodiment of ultimate wisdom, divine wisdom, which is the definition of humility, open to that which is above and beyond you. And through that, we change the entire process of our emotions, our passions, our commitments. 
But, however, were we to be true Hasidim of the ultimate Rebbe, then that would have flowed from Moses through us, and we could have done it right. However, Hashem tells Moses, no. You will not be entering into the land of Israel. You will be upon the mountaintop from where you can look at the entire land of Israel. God is telling Moses, metaphorically speaking, that no, they're not ready to deal with direct combat, the straight stairways with emotion. You can, they can't. That's not the time. However, I will allow you to be on the mountaintop and with your power of vision permeate and eternalize the land of Israel. While we may think that the story of Moses is a failed experiment, in Kabbalah it's not. Because the fact that Moses got to climb the mountain and look and permeate with his holy vision the land of Israel, what that means to us in our personal lives is that the Jew is eternally a Jew. No matter how far our emotions drive wild havoc in our life, a Jew can never reach a point of no return. For eternally, Moses has permeated us with that humility of wisdom that allows for the Pintalayid to forever exist. And therefore a Jew can forever do teshuva and turn against those wild havoc emotions and bring congruency and peace to his life. But we cannot deal with this in direct combat. Take the straight staircase. We're going to enrage the passion, anger, revolution of the Dark Lord, and we will end up scorched, consumed, burnt. It won't work. So now what we need to discuss is that even though we have within us this pintalayid, but that's not going to help us. Think of uh, relationships, right? The guy's madly in love with the girl, but the relationship won't work because he has the pintalayid. But practically speaking, wake up, do what you got to do, respect. You know, don't do what you don't have to do. He's not in that, in that realm. So Moses succeeded in what Moses succeeded, but that leaves us with potential goodness. Most relationships don't survive on potential goodness. We need actual goodness. Our lives are not productive with potential goodness. You know, up to a certain age you say, don't worry, he's a wild kid, but you'll see, you'll see. After a certain age, it's no more, you'll see. Uh, this is a serious problem here. Okay? So let's talk about Joshua's spies. Let's talk about what Joshua does. Joshua sends two spies to Jericho. Okay? Now, what happens over here? What happens over here is that we are directing, and I'm going to introduce you to a very important word, a made-up word, but it's a very important word to understand the answer to what we're looking for. Garment battlefield. Jericho in Kabbalah represents the garment, the thought, the speech, and the action. That's what Jericho represents. So Joshua sends two spies to Jericho. What does that mean? What does that mean? He's not going for the seven nations. That's what Moses did. And uh, that cost us 40 years in the desert. Now we're going for what? 
Now we're going to Jericho. We're redirecting our battle. We are not going to battle directly with the emotions because like I said before, you're going to get scorched, you're going to get burned, it's too hot, it's too intense. And that's a huge problem. Most of us in life, when we're struggling with our emotions, and when we talk about tikkun amidot, the fixing of the emotions, we want to get this out of our way, it, it's made us uh, such frustrated wannabes. What do we deal with? We try to take off layer after layer after layer, getting to the intensity of the emotion, the heat that's rising, and we're lost. What I'm sharing with you is, do not take the war to the emotions. Do not use a straight staircase. It won't work. You're going to come back burnt. What I'm suggesting is, take the war, the combat, to the garments. Take it to Jericho. Let's talk simple English here. Most of us are asking, so what do I feel today? Very dangerous question. Let me tell you what a better question is. What am I doing today? Now let's talk about this here. What happens when you take the war to Jericho? Is that a cop-out? Here, I told you, I started the whole lecture that the Rebbe told of your account that the real definition of humans is emotions, and we're settling for garments. Let me tell you what it means when you take the war to Jericho. It means that you are proclaiming true liberty and true freedom in your life. How so? The definition of freedom is, please hear this, I will not be controlled by my uncontrolled emotions. That is the definition of freedom. If you can not be controlled by your uncontrolled emotions, you are in the driver's seat, you are a free person. You are living the true life of liberty. I don't feel like getting up. Get up. I don't feel like making this phone call. Make on that. Tell me about this thought. Did you have a battle over your thought process? 
Were you thinking negative and then you were able to stop it? No, I'm not going to think negative. I'm going to speak positive. Were you going to say something which isn't proper and you control the speech? What about the doing? Did you do what you were supposed to today with or without feelings? Did you not do what you were not supposed to do even though you were dying to do it? That's Alicia's answer. That's what Lahapto, <laughs> Headmaster Dumbledore is telling Harry Potter. Forget the Dark Lord now. Let's deal with the harvests. Let's bring back those pieces of gold. Because until then, there's no congruency in our lives. There's no inner peace. There's no feeling of proud and completion. So talk to me on the level of thought, speech, and action. Don't talk to me on the level of emotion. But Rabbi, I'm not dealing with problems with my thought, speech, and action. I'm dealing with problems with my emotions. Correct the mundo. But in order to deal with that, we've got to take the spiral staircase. The spiral staircase means, yes, we're battling the war of emotions. But that battle will be fought not in the burning furnace of emotions. It will be fought in Jericho. It will be fought in thought, speech, and action. One thought at a time. One speech at a time. One action at a time. Now let me share with you. Does that mean that we have an emotionless life? Let's talk about emotions of the garments. Talk to me about the time where you are frightened to go on the roller coaster. And you really hated it. All your friends are going and screaming and they're happy now and you're sitting there just frightened. And that's the first time in Coney Island Amusement Park, for those of us that come from the Big Apple, you decided, you know what, it's so stupid. I've been standing here for a half hour, not a single person got hurt. It's just in the mind, it's just a fear of the heart. I'm going to do this. How did you feel when you got off the roller coaster? Let's talk about how you felt when three quarters of the way through that long 45-minute line, you all of a sudden took the emergency exit. How did you feel then? Seems to be that Jericho is full of emotions. It's just redefining the battle. When you ask yourself not, what do I feel? But when you ask yourself, what am I doing? Then you realize that this doing is full of feelings. There is emotion, passion, and life. But you're redirecting the combat. The combat cannot take place on the emotional battlefield. We will be swallowed up alive. The battle must take place on the garment battlefield. The question is not, what am I feeling? The question is, what am I doing? When you redirect that, you're dealing with the harvests, not with the all-powerful Dark Lord, and then you make a change. And slowly but surely, the emotions on the emotional battlefield starts changing. Because you're pulling back, you're taking back the piece of your soul that you put into the egocentric-driven emotions. Let me share with you now the next thing. Let's really get spiral within the spiral staircase. So I'm going to talk to you about what I learned when I was taking horseback riding training. <laughs> Another thing, please do not tell Rabbi Yochan. 
Let me share with you something interesting. The instructor told me as follows. You need to take control of your horse, but you need to do it without emotions. If you're the horse going the wrong direction, you need to change direction. But don't be frustrated, angry, fear. Don't do that. Why? Because the horse senses emotion and it interprets the emotion as a weakness and a failure and it's in control, victory belongs to the horse. So it's important that you do apply the correct pressure. You do have your way, the horse cannot win. But without emotions. Hmm. So let me read to you what I then typed to myself in bold. Oi, if only I knew this before I got married, before I became a parent, and before I got into the world of communication and negotiation. How many times have we lost the battle, even if we got what we wanted, because the emotions, the emotions caused you lost. You got what you wanted, but you lost. How many times? How many times are we plotting with emotions? That's a problem. Because the spiral way within the spiral staircase tells you, don't get emotional. There's an interesting saying, the whole story behind it is interesting. But uh, I'm going to share with you, it's in Yiddish. Zol zi shrayen, zivet nitshtarven. Let her scream, she won't die. How many times have we not listened to that advice? How many times do we get dragged into the tornado? And then you walk out feeling scorched. Really, at that point, it makes no difference. How many times did you tell your kids, you know what, forget it. The way you're doing it, I'll do it myself. Not because they were doing it wrong, but they were dragging the feet, making the faces. You know what? I don't need your face. Go. Go. Goodbye. How many times did you do something, but the way you did it, you messed it up for yourself? Oh, you have to do this. And the whole way through, you're clutching, you're clutching, you're clutching, you're clutching, you're clutching. You did it. You finished the report. But you clutched your whole way through. Who won? The Dark Lord? So the process here is that not only am I telling you, bring the battle to Jericho, I'm telling you, keep the seven nations out of Jericho. Of course you're full of life when you battle Jericho. But keep the seven nations out. Now, if that's true about dealing with our spouses, dealing with our kids, dealing with our friends, our business partners, whoever we're negotiating with, it's also true with yourself. People, how many times do we get mad at ourselves? Mind you, bear this in mind. Don't get mad at your horse. Your horse is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. Your horse is a gorgeous Arabian black stallion. And it's being a black stallion. Where would life be? How lifeless would it be without the passion of our black stallion? Don't get mad at it. Direct it. Sometimes forcefully so. But without emotions. That's what this class is really all about. Take the battlefield of Jericho, keep the seven nations out. Talk to me about the action, one action at a time. 
Talk to me about the speech, one speech at a time. Talk to me about the thought, one thought at a time. Do not let yourself get pulled into the emotional garbage that either other people you're negotiating with or dealing with is bringing into the picture, including don't bring it into your own picture. So, yes, we need to control our emotions. How? By bringing the battle to the garment battlefield. The garment battlefield, not the emotional battlefield. Remember the secret of Joshua. Know in back of your mind what Moses did for us, but live the life of Joshua. Joshua's battle. We're waging war in Jericho. Thought by thought, action by action, speech by speech. In closing, on a personal note, when I look back at all the missed opportunities of my life, in my life, and I see that it's all about my not being emotionally ready. That's what it all goes down to. I look back at relationships gone wrong, and I see the smoke of emotions blinding my vision. I look into the self-depreciation moments of my life, and it spells out lack of emotional control. Now, I look at the areas of where I am proud of myself, and the moments that bring a smile to my heart, and it is the moments in which I had emotional control. What was the difference between the emotional failure and the emotional victory? It was whether I was on the emotional battlefield or on the garment battlefield. In the prior, the emotional battlefield, I left scorched and feeling down. The latter battlefield, the garment battlefield, thought, speech, and action. I often leave there scorched and beaten too. Let's not kid ourselves. However, often I leave with victory. Why? Why, people? The goal is more visible, measurable, and far more obtainable. When you tell yourself, I don't want to be attracted to this no more, what is that supposed to mean? But if you tell yourself, I'm not going to make this phone call, I'm just not going to. How do I end this relationship? That's a question I get all the time. It's not about how you end the relationship. It's how you don't text, reply to a text, call, email. That's what it's all about. Well, you want to ask yourself how I stop feeling in love? You want to ask yourself how do I overcome this? I don't know why. I'm just afraid to really go out there and really hit the pavement and make my, you know, make my debut, make my large, you know, fortune that's waiting for me. My pot of gold at the end of my rainbow. That's a big question. Tell me how you're going to pick up the phone today and make that phone call. I can't call that person. I already bothered him and this and that, and he's going to tell me no. And there are a million answers. That's what it all about. It works the same with Basharitas. How do I find my Basharita? Talk about how I'm going to find my Basharita. Tell me what are you doing to find your Basharita? Do you go out? Do you go to public scenes? Do you make sure that you're always looking proper? These are the questions. It's what do I do, not the big picture. The big picture is not measurable, it's not visible, it's not, it's not attainable. And we're dealing with big emotions, you know? I want to fall in love. I'm falling in love. Do you know how you fall in love? I mean, do you know how you fall in love? Love? I've heard this from my family, uh, family therapist. 
when my parents got divorced, I spoke to family therapist, he asked me, who loves who more? A parent, a child, a child, a parent. The answer is a parent loves a child more. Do you know why? Love is created in the giving, not in the receiving. Who gives who more? The parent to the child. Have you ever noticed that when a relationship goes bad, one walks out without any problems, the other one is emotionally havoc? Why? It's the one who has emotional havoc who ended the relationship. You know why? Very simple why. Because that's the one that put so much into the relationship. That's where love is created. You want to feel love? Do something. What have you done for this person? By the way, parenthetically speaking, not for today's class, but you know when people say the other person doesn't love me, usually it doesn't take long for me to find out that the person who's complaining to me never allows the other person to do anything for them. I don't want to ask nothing. I just give. I buy. I'm the one giving the gifts. No, 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 don't go out of your way. Well, what do you mean don't go out of your way? Well, let me share with you a little secret. If he doesn't wake up 3 o'clock in the morning to come and pick you up from the airport, then how is he going to love you? No, I don't want to bother you. But if you don't bother him or her, how are they going to love you? Love is created in the action of giving. That's where it's created. That's where you build love for someone, and that's where you tell the other person to build love for you. So you may think that you're being so romantic, I never bother him, I never this, I never that. Well, maybe what you're doing is, you're not letting him or her love you. So once again, where's the battlefield? On the emotional battlefield or in Jericho? It's in the thought, it's in the speech, it's in the action. So guys, that's what it's all about. Number one, take the spiral staircase. And number two, you gotta climb the garment battlefield, not the emotional battlefield. When you start feeling lost amongst feelings, immediately leave the land of Canaan and go to Jericho. What am I gonna think about right now? What am I going to say right now? What am I going to do right now? And I'm gonna be very happy and proud and then slowly but slowly and surely we start bringing back the little pieces of our soul that we put into our hearts, reuniting our soul, creating a congruency, a flow of inner peace, a flow of success. Shukaya, people.